there's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Friday, November 27th, 2020. On this day in 1970, Pope Paul VI was attacked at the Manila Airport in the Philippines. The incident was the first modern papal assassination attempt. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering the attempted assassination of Pope Paul VI by a surrealist painter with strong views about religion. Let's go back to November 27, 1970, to the Manila Airport in the Philippines. The Philippines is a nation that is almost 86% Catholic, so Catholic Pope Paul VI's arrival on a sunny November day was cause for national celebration. The 73-year-old Pope was there for a three-day visit, and after disembarking from his private plane, he was greeted by President Ferdinand E. Marcos. Thousands of priests and other devotees waited eagerly at the airport for a chance to get a glimpse of the Pope, and one was especially excited. The dark-haired man was 35 years old, held a box in his hands that was decorated with a crucifix, and was dressed in traditional priest's clothing. He moved through the crowd as fast as he could. It's likely that most people surrounding him just thought he was desperate to meet the Pope. And he was, but not for the same reasons that everyone else was. As Pope Paul VI greeted an archbishop from South Korea, the mysterious priest's dark intentions were revealed as he broke through the security ropes separating the Pope from his devotees. Then he pulled a foot-long dagger from the box in his hands, reportedly cried out, death to superstition, and swung the blade right at the Pope. Despite his priestly garb, the man was really a killer in disguise, named Benjamin Mendoza y Amor Flores, and he'd allegedly planned this murder for years. What made this shocking event more mystifying was that Mendoza was not from the Philippines, and he wasn't any sort of known criminal. He was actually a surrealist artist from La Paz, Bolivia, and spent most of his adult life as a nomad. Mendoza had at least two siblings and a widowed mother in Bolivia, but he left his home as a young man to travel the world and make a living off his surrealist paintings. His wanderlust took him across South and North America, as well as China and Japan. Mendoza met many influential figures in high society, media, and art during his travels. But nobody ever quite pinned down his personality. 
a New York gallery owner called Mendoza a user who liked attention, while another gallerist said he was a modest man. It was clear that he was a fascinating figure, as socialite Carolyn Kennedy, unrelated to the Kennedys, found out after meeting Mendoza in Manila in 1969. The two met at an artist's cafe, and while Kennedy recalled Mendoza as being odd and quiet, they did discuss deep topics like religion. In her blog, Kennedy recalls Mendoza as particularly passionate, paraphrasing his thoughts on Catholicism. Mendoza allegedly said, You're so lucky, Caroline. You weren't brought up in fear. You weren't forced to accept something you didn't believe in. You weren't punished for rejecting God. You weren't threatened for questioning the church's motives. Mendoza was vehemently against organized religion, and the Pope's first visit to the Philippines revealed just how disillusioned the artist was with Catholicism. After dressing as a priest, Mendoza snuck through the throng of excited Filipinos and surprised the Pope. Mendoza managed to swing the foot-long knife at Paul VI's neck and torso several times before the Pope's secretary, Pasquale Maki, blocked him from attacking and security guards restrained him. Miraculously, the Pope was unhurt and allegedly went on to deliver a speech to his Filipino devotees with poise and calm. Meanwhile, Benjamin Mendoza was apprehended by Filipino authorities and taken in for questioning, where investigators were faced with an unusual question. Was Mendoza's assassination attempt an act of rage and bloodlust, or the world's most heretical publicity stunt? Coming up, we'll learn about the aftermath of Mendoza's assassination attempt and how it helped Pope Paul VI. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to the story. On November 27, 1970, a Bolivian artist named Benjamin Mendoza disguised himself as a priest and attacked the Pope with a foot-long blade at an event in the Philippines. The Pope survived and was unharmed, and now Filipino investigators had to probe Mendoza's psyche to understand how he could carry out such an act. Mendoza was still dressed in his priest costume while police questioned him. He admitted that he wanted to kill the Pope, 
telling them, The Pope is only a human being. I want to save the people from hypocrisy and superstition. Even though I did not succeed in killing the Pope, I succeeded in harming him. Mendoza also mentioned that the Pope represented the kind of superstition which must be destroyed by removing him. Mendoza's foot-long Malay dagger allegedly bore the words, bullets, superstitions, flags, kingdoms, garbage, armies, and an expletive. The would-be killer was charged with attempted murder, as well as possession of a deadly weapon and intent to cause a public panic. The next day, Mendoza further elaborated on his criminal undertakings to a rapt crowd of reporters. He admitted that he had been trying to kill the Pope for years and had even tried to purchase a gun to do the job, but he couldn't get a permit. However, there was no evidence that he had actually planned any prior attacks or that he was vehemently anti-religion in general. While Mendoza admitted that he had no real involvement in religion or politics, he resented the Pope for how he represented superstition. When asked if he was ashamed for what he had done, Mendoza retorted that his only disappointment was that his attack had failed. Most chillingly, when someone wondered if he would try to kill the Pope again, Mendoza stated simply, it's gonna be a pleasure. However, his threat was empty. After spending 38 months in Bilibid prison, Mendoza was deported to Bolivia in 1974. After that, he apparently kept painting and producing art. He also allegedly admitted that his criminal act was a stunt. According to his friend Caroline Kennedy, Mendoza said, It was a surrealist gesture. I had no intention of killing him. Not much is known about Mendoza's later years, other than he allegedly died at age 70 in 2004. While his assassination attempt was designed to end the Pope's power and influence, the act accidentally made the Pope even more revered across the Catholic world. After being elected in 1963, Pope Paul VI came to be seen as a maverick and provided the Vatican with a more modern kind of leadership. Under his watch, the Vatican allowed masses to be performed in languages other than Latin, simplified priests' dress codes, and even made efforts to build relationships with leaders from other religions. Paul was also the first pope to board an airplane and leave Italy, traveling tirelessly across the globe to preach the good word as a so-called apostle on the move. His 1970 trip to Manila was one of nine that he made out of Italy, and the fact that he survived Mendoza's attack unharmed only added to his legacy, especially because that fact was actually a lie or at least a sin of omission. After Pope Paul VI's death in August of 1978, he was beatified by the Vatican. Relics belonging to past popes are commonly given to the new pope, and the formal reliquary for Paul VI was a blood-stained undershirt. 
It turns out that Mendoza had injured the Pope in his attack, but Paul VI allegedly wore two undershirts that day, which meant that Mendoza's blade only caused a light wound. It seems the Pope and the Vatican decided that such a minor injury did not deserve press, so the information was kept hidden until his death. Even more surprisingly, Paul VI's secretary, Pasquale Macchi, admitted that Mendoza's attack was actually a strangely fond memory because of the Pope's unusual reaction to the stabbing. Macchi recalled, If you ask me what the Pope's most beautiful smile was, it came during the attempt on his life in Manila. After I pushed back the attacker, I turned to face the Pope. I will never forget his sweet smile, and when he met my eyes, it was as if he was somehow chastising me for the violence with which I pulled the assailant away to the police. It was as if he was enjoying a moment of inspired joy. Benjamin Mendoza was vehemently against superstition and specifically targeted Pope Paul VI for his role in spreading religion across the world. His assassination attempt was supposed to lessen religion's influence, but in his failure, all he did was make Pope Paul VI more beloved and heroic. Perhaps Mendoza was a strange form of blessing for Paul VI. After all, there can be no saints without sinners. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Bennett Logan. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.